Good morning. It is good to see you. And uh, you realize that by showing up this morning, um, you are signing up for a job between now and tomorrow morning, which is that you have to contact everyone else in the church and tell them what we've covered so that they are not like lost when we when we start when we continue talking on this theme tomorrow morning you understand so you you're the um, secret agents that pass it on which is what we're supposed to do anyway you know with everything that we learn um, you you receive information but it's not for you it's for you to pass on right you get that In fact, <clears throat> one person said, you can, you, you can only say that you've learned something when you are able to teach it. You know it when you can teach it, not when you've heard it. Anyway, there's, um, I, I want to start with a very um, informative essay that was written by a young man called Pitt Janse van Rensburg. And he had to write an essay in English. This is a, a grade five or grade six boy. And, um, and so he was asked to write an essay about a crocodile. And this is his answer. The crocodile is especially built so long because the flatter, the better swimmer. At the front of the crocodile is the head. The head exists almost only of teeth. Behind the crocodile, the tail grows. Between the head and the tail is the crocodile. A crocodile without a tail is called a Rottweiler. A crocodile's body is covered with handbag material. <laughs> he can throw his tail off if he gets a fright. But it doesn't happen much because a crocodile is scared of nothing. A crocodile stays under the water because if you were so ugly, you would also stay under the water. It is good that a crocodile stays under the water because a person gets such a big fright if a crocodile catches you that he first has to rinse you off before he can eat you. A crocodile isn't hardly as dangerous as people say he is. Except if he catches you. <laughs> the longer he bites you, the more it hurts. Very old crocodiles suck the people then buck they catch dead. If you eat him, he is a crocosati. A crocodile did not learn to swim with his arms, so he uses his tail. The little brother of a crocodile is a lizard. The slow sister of the crocodile is a chameleon. The gay brother of the crocodile is a daffodil. And the crocodile also has a dead brother, the fricadel. <laughs> so, what's in a name? What's in a name? We talked last night about the, the power of names and of the... Um, the way that God recognizes that in the process of um, change, when he, 
when he changes a person, he changes their name. Why? Because we very often take more um, identity from uh, the name that we either call ourselves or are called by others than from things like um, uh, encounters, m- moments, events, even achievements in our lives. We take our names from those things, which is also, by the way, why so often in Western culture we, um, we put... We, like we experienced last night, we introduce ourselves to one another by what we do, and we have to put things like our titles. You know, you, you've got to put the title by which you want to be called um, at the front of your name and then your qualifications at the back of your name so that you are um, you're not just Costa, but you are Dr. the Reverend Apostle High Cardinal Costa, B.A., B.T.H., M.T.H., Ph.D., Baba fell in the water. You know, that, that whole thing. There's got to be... And, and uh, why do we do that is because we get significance out of the, um, the, the fact that we've, we've got these accomplishments in our lives... Whereas we need to recover the fact that we are significant by the fact that we are created, by the fact that we are redeemed, by the fact that we belong within a family that, in a a sense, the the stature, the, the status of the family and the people in it has nothing to do with what we have done. Um, it's it's got to do with being. That's why God once again introduces himself as I am. This is the family of I am. This is the family of, of those who do not take their significance from accomplishment, but from nature, from the nature that you have received by virtue of birth. So we finished last night just talking about the fact that we... we um, We've all got the, the pedigree. We've all got these, these things, nationality and tribe and culture and, and accomplishment and learning, you know, where you went to school, the old school tie, all of those kinds of things. We've all got them. But what happens as we come to the point of intersection and engagement and, and confrontation, if you like, with God is that he says, I'm, I want you to ha- give me those because I've got something better for you. I've got a new identity that I want to impart to you. It's the reason why Jesus begins and ends a conversation in five minutes with a, with a Pharisee called Nicodemus. Where Nicodemus comes, we know that you must come from God because we have seen the things you do. And Jesus says, Nick, come here, come here, come here. And he takes... He takes the conversation out of, his, out of his hands. And he says, Nick, we're not talking about that stuff. Here's what I want you to know. You need to be born again. You need to have a new nature. You need to start over. Start over, not on the basis of, you know, well, I'm a, one of the Pharisees. I've been trained in the best school. I've got, I've got all of these insights. I've got this right to actually decide who comes from God based on my learning. 
And so you're passing judgment on the Son of God before you even know who he is. I mean, it was a good judgment. It was a demon that did that with Paul, do you remember? These men come from the Most High God and they are bringing you the words of the Most High God. And Paul is irritated by it, turns and says, come out of her. And delivers her from a demon. Because, you see, once again, if, if the demon had succeeded in saying that, in, in putting, you know, being Paul's PRO... Listen up, guys. I'm the marketing department, and this guy really, you, you need to listen to him. The, the problem there is that then Paul is operating not on the basis of his identity in Christ, but on the basis of the marketing company and what it says about him. And, you know, whatever, whatever is the basis, the platform on which you stand, the identity that you take, uh, you've got to... Whatever, whatever you, whatever, however you start, that's how you've got to continue. So over and over again, we need to come back to the fact that my value, my worth is not in what I've accomplished. And it's not in pedigrees and all of those things. It's not in, it's not in this world's measurements. But it is based on purely the fact that I have been created by the I am, fearfully and wonderfully made, and I've also been redeemed by the Jesus who came for people like us, who have nothing to claim um, in ourselves. So where this leaves us with regard to this thing of names... um, We spoke a little bit about this last night, but I want to just start there and then move on into something else. Um, But it's really to say, you you know, I can't do anything about the fact that I'm, for example, a white South African. I can't do anything about that. It's one of those accidents of birth and nature and DNA. And these things intersected and keiko leke no. But I refuse to be limited to that. I refuse to be just that. I refuse if anyone looks at me and says, oh, so you're one of them. And then judges everything that I do out of, out of that. In other words, the identity becomes the basis of our relationship. You know, that apartheid demonstrated how evil that was. That is. Nazism demonstrated how evil that is. Nazism um, or fascism is the thing that puts people in bundles. The word fascia, it's a, it's a bundle. You put people in boxes. And that's the thing with names, people. Names have the, have the tendency to box you in, to put you in a, in a box. And then... Like I said last night, as soon as you have named and labeled something, put it in your particular box, you've got control. You now have authority with that thing. And the potential of that person, that individual, to, be, to contribute to your life is suddenly taken away. 
As soon as we say about our, something about ourselves, we are actually doing the same thing. So if I say, for example, let me, let me take a common mislabeling that was current in the church in the days when I became a Christian, 50, nearly 50 years ago. Back to, yeah, more than 50 years ago. Uh, we, we used to say this about ourselves. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You see, when you say I am something, when you say I am something, you've boxed yourself in. What do sinners do? Sin, and then you go to the grace so that you can get forgiven for the sin that you're going to repeat tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And as long as you give yourself that label, as long as you make that your identity, you are condemning yourself to repetition of, of that kind of behavior. I say this to parents. When you say of a child, this child is naughty, what does the child learn? I am naughty. What do naughty children do? Naughty stuff, right? So you're, you're boxing that child in, you're giving them an identity, and they will live it out. So don't be surprised if, an, if a person you have said is naughty does naughty stuff. You ask for it. If you, on the other hand, rebuke someone for doing something without labeling them, this is, what, this is the line that Jesus draws. He says, if your brother sins against you, go to him and tell him what, you, you know, what the, the trouble that you have with what he did. But he at the same time says, you should not judge. That sounds like a bit of a contradiction. Because he, he illustrates it. Judgment is not about deeds, it's about character. It's about character assassination. And so he uses some examples. He says, if you say to your brother, you fool, you're in danger of hellfire. Hmm. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Not. If you say to your brother, raka, which is a... Uh, which was a form of um, uh, complete disparagement of the character of the person. You are, you are um, in danger of the wrath of God. And so, um, once again, the, the, the thing that we are called to in this regard is to do this not only for um, uh, ourselves, but also for others. We, we, we have to... We have to come and meet every person as an individual and not only as an individual, but give that person the same uh, sense of awe that you give to yourself. When David says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. What he is, he's not boasting. He's simply saying, God, you know, I, I am in awe of how you have made me, of what you have placed within this thing called a human being, this thing called a child of God, an, 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 an awesome, amazing, full of potential, 
person with the capacity to change the world. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When I say that about myself, I'm also saying that about everyone else. And when I meet this person, I meet the person not on the basis of what they have done. I meet this person on the basis of their potential. So we're all, as I said in introduction last night, we're all human becomings. So take the labels off. Take the labels off. Some of you are carrying old labels that, are, that were actually given to you as an insult. They give, you, they give you names based on how you look. They give you nicknames based on how you look. Shorty, you know, for example. Shortstop or pimples. Or whatever. So they, people give you these, these nicknames. Uh, clumsy. Porky. Any of you got any of those that, that uh, were put on you kind of hurtfully in the past, in your childhood, for example? Because again, remember what we said about identity? Identity means same, same. Same, same. As soon as that becomes your identity, that's again how you're going to behave. And so it's really important for us to come to the place of saying, like Paul did, I'm taking all those labels off and I'm handing them to you, Jesus, the good ones as well as the bad ones, and I'm saying this. Now I count them all as rubbish so that I may gain Christ. So that I might find my new identity in him, that I may know him, that I may share in fellowship with him in the stuff that I do, that I may experience, the, the, uh, the, experience his dying to that old way of thinking and also experience, share with him in the power of the resurrection. So understand this, that what, people, what you allow people to call you shapes you. It's not just neutral. It shapes you. And so when they do that, I, I, I do that when people say about me, for example, I come back to my... Uh, uh, there, was a, there was an experience I had in leading a particular network of, of um, the Christian churches of Cape Town. And... Um, and so I was the chairperson. I actually was a co-chair with another woman. And, um, and we had, um, you know, a steering committee and all the things that these things usually need. And so we, we did a lot of things. We had some amazing events. We, we were the host uh, committee for the Lausanne Conference in Cape Town in 2010. And uh, there was a... A real momentum. We became the host uh, um, body for the the Global Day of Prayer in, in at Newland Stadium, and so many things. We had a program of of uh, twinning churches, so that churches in suburbs twinned with churches in the townships, and and there was mutual benefit and growth and discovery of one another, etc. 
And we were at a meeting a little while ago when, um, when some smart aleck said, the CCC is just a white organization. That was what we were called, the CCC. They're just a white organization. And you know, something just like drained from my heart. It was like, ah, you've, ta- you've knocked the stuffing out of me by saying that. And for a moment, I was just going, okay. So it was all futile. And then another emotion happened to me. It also is because I'm Greek, you know. That other emotion was anger. It was, it was the anger, the indignation of the fact that a person felt that they had the right to put a label not only on, my, on me, but on the others who had been part of this amazing organization that had done so many amazing things that it, it was talked about internationally what we were doing. And I rose up in that indignation and I said, I refuse your label. I want to just say to you, I do not receive what you have just said. I do not receive it. I will not bow to it. And you can have whatever opinion you like, but it's not landing here. It's not landing here. You see, this is, this is the thing that we, have, we, we, we all of us have to do about ourselves. We have to begin, if we don't, Change the way we think. For example, I wrote about this also a blog a few weeks ago. But if we don't, in South Africa, if we don't start thinking of ourselves as fellow Africans, fellow South Africans, we are doomed. There, there, can, be no, there can be no survival of individuals if we don't gain an identity as a nation. The same is true, by the way, of the church. If all we do is we sit and fire missiles or mortars over fences at, you know, those other churches, those, that other church, that other church, that other church, uh, all we're doing is we're, we're, killing, we're killing one another, but we'll never, we'll never see the revival that God wants to bring. Where does God command the blessing? Where the brothers dwell together. In unity, where we see ourselves as brothers and sisters, where we identify ourselves not as the labels that are just matters of convenience, you know, Anglican, Catholic, Pentecostal, this thing, that thing, Serepta, Vineyard, whatever else it is. All of all that those are are simply. Um, uh, uh, legal documents. They are legal requirements that people have to register a thing. But if that becomes your identity, you're cutting off all other identities. You're cutting off all other openings to other people. The devil has got you where he wants you because he has labeled you and therefore put you in a box and therefore Whoever owns the box has authority over what's in it. So think about those things that are like, that come naturally to you or other people say it about you. You are. Anything that finishes a, a sentence that starts with, 
I am or you are. Anything that finishes those sentences, any name, it has the potential for being one of those, a label. The other thing, by the way, that comes close to this is identifying ourselves according to causes. You know, we have a cause. In South Africa, we had a cause that basically said only people who can say that they are struggle heroes can actually have any authority. Struggle heroes. It's like, it's a little bit like Bob Mugabe's war vets, you know, who were 15 and 16 and 18 and 20 years old and were born long after the war was over. So it's an impossibility that they were ever war vets, but they were given authority by the fact that he said, war vets can take the farms. Why? Just because they fought in the war, right? And that excuses everything that you do. It gives you a right, even though the whole thing is based on a lie. It's, it gives, gave people rights that were illegitimate. And we do that in a number of areas. You know, we, 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 um, we do it with regard, to, once again, to positive things as well as negative things. So r- remove from yourself the idea... By all means, get involved in causes, but don't identify yourself as, that's what I am. I I speak to people, including pastors. Pastors who say, say, say this, they say, I am my ministry. I go, God help you. God help you. You are not your ministry. You are... A child of God who does ministry. And if you ever lose sight of that, I promise you, you are in for depression. You are in for disappointment. You are in for disillusionment. You are in for burnout. God didn't put that kind of a heavy thing on you. I am my ministry. That is not what you are. That is what you do. What you are is has, has got to do with being and becoming rather than doing and labeling. So we have a job to do. We have a, we have a process that we have to go through, and we'll speak in the second session about some of the hows of all of that. A little boy said an, said an amazing thing talking about names. He said, when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You know that your, that your name is safe in their mouth. Isn't that an amazing thing? See, there's no, there's no judgment in the way they say your name. There's no rejection in the way that they say your name. So, let's move on. Over the page we have the this diagram, which I want to just take a little bit of time to say this about you. Not only are you not the, la- the labels, but you are, there are many dimensions of you. Someone said this about life. They said, uh, life is like an onion. 
You peel it away one layer at a time, and sometimes you weep. (laughs) And the same is true of people. You peel your, when it comes to yourself, you peel away from the outside to the inside, and every so often you weep because you discover something at different levels. But when it comes to the dimensions of being, or the dimensions to go back to my earlier statement of of becoming, there are these five levels of you, or of (laughs) you-ness. The first is the intrinsic level. This is moving from the inside out. Because that's the way, by the way, God made us. God made us from the inside out, and that's the best way to discover who you are. Not from the outside in. Let me just stop there for a moment and say, religion is the um, science of treating people from the outside in. In fact, in some cases, it treats you from the outside full stop, only on the outside. Only what is seen on the outside matters. So, you know, you're known in various churches by what you don't do, you know. I don't gamble, smoke, and chew and mix with those bad girls who do. That's this church, right? We don't do this. this and there was one guy who said they shouldn't have built a church. You know, I, I grew up in this church. He said, but it was a complete waste of money to build a church. They should have just put up a big billboard instead of the building. Big billboard and just needed to have the one word, don't. That would have summed up every Sunday of my childhood. All that happened is I went into this building and got shouted at and told, don't, don't do this, don't do that, don't think this, don't think that. You know, don't pluck your eyebrows, don't comb your hair, don't grow your hair. Don't wear this kind of clothing. And so, uh, we usually experience people from the outside in. You first meet the person in terms of how they look. You may, if you're observant that way, like my wife is very observant, she remembers stuff that goes back like, she'll say, you remember that wedding um, in 2006 of so-and-so who's our niece and um, Marjorie, my sister, was wearing... They do have a, an eye for detail, don't they? And, and, and to remember that, I mean, it's ba- bad enough that she noticed it. But she remembers it 12 years later. What shoes the person was wearing. How she had combed her hair. Wow. It's, it's awesome. It's awe-inspiring. So we meet people and we, and we interact with them, sometimes based on, on uh, the clothes they're wearing <laughs> and, and stuff like that. I, I, I don't particularly, but I, I think that some people do, and, and that's okay. But if that's all that I ever interact with, do I know you? I don't know you. And so... 
um, our job is to, to discover for ourselves what Socrates said, know thyself, know thyself. So how do we know ourselves? It starts on the inside, and the inside is what I call the intrinsic you. The you that is made up of values, of, if you like, your, your spirituality. Those things that are the non-negotiables of your life. The stuff that when you, if you were, if you were dying, you would hold on to the longest. That if you, if you had to make sacrifices, these are the things you would make sacrifices for. They are the things, um, they are the things that you ultimately would die for and therefore you, you are actually living for them. Or hopefully you are living for them. We'll come to more about that in a moment. So the intrinsic you is your values and your, your beliefs. The next level of you is the communicated you. And this is what is made up of your passions. The difference between values and passions is that values are unspoken. Passions will show. They will show in the things you say. They will show in the things that light up your eyes. Excuse me. Mm, goodness me. The spit zone is actually... Uh, I better step back from there. <laughs> So your, pa your passions show up in the things that light up your eyes, the things that energize you, the things that make you sit on the edge of your seat rather than just lounging, being laid back, the things that um, maybe keep you awake at night, the things that wake you up in the middle of the night, the things that you dream about when you're awake and when you're, and when you're asleep. Those, all of those are your passions, your preoccupations, the things that... The things that uh, excite you. So that's the communicated you. The third level of you is the organized you. This is, this is now as you become, a, you know, you, you be, become more and more of an adult. You don't just, you know, if you feel something, you don't just necessarily show it. But you structure your life. And so it includes your priorities. It includes... Um, uh, you know, going to, going to bed and getting up. It includes time management. It includes your um, it includes your habits and your um, budgets, the way you spend time, energy, and money. All of that is going to be structured, whether consciously or unconsciously. You're going to structure it, and once again. People and, the, and your relationships have to ultimately take those things into account. So that's the organized you. The next level is the intelligent you. This is the you um, that is made up of your thinking processes, your thought processes, your, at, your attitudes are included in this, your, um, your philosophy of life, the intelligent you. You think Therefore, you, you am. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, um, you, engage, you engage with people on the basis of um, intelligent conversation. And, of course, sometimes there is, there is uh, uh, overlap and leakage between these things. So 
uh, you can be speaking intelligently at one moment and then a passion might kind of intrude and then suddenly you're speaking at a much more anim- in a much more animated way. But a lot of people, once again, only connect with you on the basis of what you think. Your thought processes, your philosophy of life. And then we get finally the public you. This is your behaviors. This includes your dress code, the way you present yourself. The, you know, the, the way that you want to look before you step out of the door. You make sure that you are going to put your best foot forward, both in terms of behavior as well as image. So that's the dimensions. The thing about these dimensions is that, as I said before, very often we choose how much we will allow people to drill down into the real person, the real me. Because, at, you see, like at some level, there are, there are some theologies that say, for example, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. That's, I, I don't really like that expression because it is too, once again, boxy. So I say this, I am a spirit, a soul, a body, emotions, uh, relationships, um, as well as um, as well as behaviors, I am all of those things, and of course they have a, there there are differences in terms of how much I want each of those factors to control the me that I am becoming, how much influence I want them to have, and that's why it's important to analyze, to know yourself, to think through: Is this am I at my best? Is this the way I want to be? And where I can and where I need to, to make changes. But at the same time, to do that in a way that we call having integrity, which is this. Integrity means that you are the same on the outside as you are on the inside. Integrity has to do with sincerity. You know the Latin word? That we get sincere from, two Latin words actually, sin, sinne, sere. And it, it means without wax. Without wax. Where did that come from? It came from sculpture. So here is uh, Michelangelo or somebody and he's carving a, uh, an emperor's statue. He's carving. And as he's carving, he makes a mistake and he knocks off the ear. He was supposed to knock off the part surrounding the ear, but he chipped this ear. So what they would do is they would pick up dust, marble dust. They would crush it and they would mix it with beeswax. And then they would uh, remold the bits that they had accidentally knocked off of the statue and they would remake that, that ear. And, um, and of course, most the, for, for the, the unpracticed or the, un, the non-expert purchaser of statues, they, didn't, they very often didn't notice. Uh, but a, a statue of true value was a sincere statue. It had no wax. 
And here's how they found out if a statue was sincere. They put it in a fire. And, you know, if the nose started running down the top lip, then you knew this statue was not sincere. There's a lesson in there somewhere, isn't there? The, the, the fire reveals the quality of every person's life, of what substance it is. What substance has it been built out of, made out of? Wood, hay, and stubble, or wax, or gold, silver, and precious stones. And so, a sincere person is what we call a WYSIWYG. A WYSIWYG. And that, that little expression taken from American pop culture in the 70s stands for, what you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. I'm the same on the inside as I am on the outside. When you get me, you're supposed to get a person where there are no surprises. There are no traps. And, of course, this is not something that happens in five seconds. It's something that involves engagement with a person. It's the task of a married couple is to learn one another over over many years together and, and once again peeling away those layers and understanding more and uh, learning better how to express ourselves and to share not just outward things, not just behaviors and even attitudes, but right down into values, into the dreams, into the passions of our lives. And so, what this is all about is, once again, a good and thorough uh, model and process of self-discovery, of learning who you are. Uh, learning your identity at, at a greater level than just, again, the externals, the qualifications, the educations, the etc., etc., so we're going to take a break now, and then we'll come back and talk about some practical ways in which we can not only discover, but also shape or reshape the person we are becoming.